Lights. Let's reboot this and do something completely different. Lights. Camera. Lights. Camera. No, it's because now we have to remake it. So you say lights and I say just do it. Just do what I'm telling you. It's going to make it so much better. Okay, okay, okay. So we now we go lights, lights, camera? No, no, no. Just like we're remaking it, but in a reboot sort of fashion. Dude, just go with me. This is going to be a hit. Go. Okay. Lights. 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 Camera. Lights again because it's a remake. Cinemagic. <laughs> Roll that rebooted intro. Because I have inclusive flakiness. Woo! We have a reboot, an intro, it's cinema magic. It's not the same, it's different, it's magic cinema. Cinema jika, cinema jika, jika magic. Okay, whatever. I can't okay. Remember. Well, well welcome, <laughs> welcome to another week of Cinemagic Podcast, where we try to reboot our own podcast to be exactly the same thing As with exactly the before. same people. Exactly the same characters. Exactly. <laughs> so that means So that means we got your host with the most. That's right. The one and only Rick Acevedo over there. Wait, no, that doesn't feel right. No. Uh no. You're the See, host. I started with you first. Usually I introduce myself first. Okay, this whole fucking shit's got me confused. <laughs> I do not subscribe to rebooting or remaking. I think classics should be left the same. That is my opening salvo, and if you don't like it. I can understand everybody's got some different thought process. All right. So we'll try it the original way. I'm your host, Jonathan Gondwal, with yeah. my favorite co-host, Rick Acevedo. Woo. Yeah, see? Yeah. So that's it. Uh, if, <laughs> if you haven't learned from all our joking, we're really talking about reboots, remakes, continuations. What is all that things about? Uh, especially nowadays, I feel like everyone really knows the subject because I feel like we're inundated with one of those three uh, every every like month every week uh <laughs> I, mean, it, I think it really just depends on on i think there's been a loss of just originality and creativity and people are going back to the things that worked for so long because it took creativity back in the 80s and 90s to be able to do a television show that would run 9 10 11 years with 25 episodes at a time and still get a high rating you know, major mm. shares and stuff like that. So I think part of the problem right now is there's been a loss of creativity because you've got a lot of people that are looking at it from like, hey, how can we make money and not so much about how can we create something new, which is why streaming is eating the candy, all right? <laughs> all the Halloween candy is being eaten by streaming yeah. um, everywhere. No, everywhere? and it's everywhere. And it's a hundred percent true for people out there that go, oh, there's like, um, like Hollywood, there's no creativity, like writers and people have no creativity. It's like, no, that's not true. It's that new ideas aren't really selling and they're not really selling. Like the big networks aren't buying new ideas. No. They want to make money. And so because it is a business, they're like, what made money? That made money. Do that again. Rather than 
yeah. where new people like ourselves and other creatives are always going out going, you know, this would be great or this new thing would be great. And so streaming has been really great for that because when the big networks and the big studios didn't want to buy anything new, streaming has at least bought it, put it out there. All these new ideas can be tried and find an outlet. As, as, as shown in South Park. Mm-hmm. With the uh, with the Coon and Friends story from Carpenter's, <laughs> like Netflix, you're greenlit. <laughs> Everything. It's not but that it, easy. That's the, that's the joke, but it really is true. Especially when streaming first came out. Now it's kind of old hat. But Netflix really did buy almost anything and tried almost everything. Yeah, because but but look, I think we got to go also back and properly define the way things really go because I think people have a tendency to get confused. Mm. A remake is essentially recreating the story with entirely new people, but the same story. Yes. A reboot is either a retelling of the story based off of the original premise with some of the same characters, if not all of them, or new characters that are taking off from the original story and where the original story was. And I think that leads to like a ton of... Uh, controversy especially now with like you see stars you know throwing shade at each other sometimes because uh for example and you know jonathan has a a ghostbusters resurrection background Mm -hmm. so ghostbusters one and two sequel you know franchise the new ghostbusters with you know the the old female cast including melissa mccarthy and and basically with um what's his name thor uh, Chris Hemsworth. I don't Chris, know why. Chris Hemsworth as the secretary and stuff like the that. The sexy secretary. Yeah, he's the like, sexy, I'm dumb the sexy dumb secretary, and he did a great job of that. Yeah, yeah he was hilarious. Uh, he was, he was, he was amazing. And the movie itself was a lot of fun, but that was more of a reboot than a remake because it mm. re, it it sort of retold the story in a more modern setting. It didn't really acknowledge the previous story. So now, there's another reboot coming out, which is Resurrection, which completely goes away from comedy, and it skips and ignores everything that was done with Melissa McCarthy and, and, um, and her crew. Which so it's like it, it is a reboot continuation technically. It's a reboot it's sequel, be... actually, technically. Yeah, it's a reboot it does, sequel. It does actually take premise from off, off of that, but it, it's not going to depend on, for example bill murray and sigourney mm. weaver like it's got some of the cast members and you've seen some of the trailers with annie potts um which i think she was egon's wife at that point in time i don't know probably but um it 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 does have like different aspects of that because it's like you're not gonna see a comedy you're mm. not gonna see i don't think a lot of the original cast i mean they said that they've been there but i'm sure they're not gonna be that present so it's something totally and completely um, different. And then in TV, well, you know, new Magnum PI, new Wi-Fi Ho, and those are remakes. I really can't say they're reboots, you know? Yeah, they're remakes mostly. Yeah, they're re- The only real reboot, I think, was uh, Dallas in 2013 and then a few years later, Murphy Brown, which was, I guess... Con- like designed to basically wrap up the life of um, Murphy Brown and, yeah. and her yeah. Patriots, and that, that's really about it. So. Well, Roseanne, they did the one Roseanne. Roseanne, yeah, which is now the Connors. 
Look, Ambien absolutely killed that show, but oh, oh, don't forget uh, the 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 with Bob Saget. What is that one called? Uh, Full House. Yeah, Full House. Full House. Netflix. So they did a. They did a reboot. It, they did it, was, a reboot. it was a remake reboot, but it was a reboot. Some really it was it was similar. It was pretty successful. How how many episodes? Like sixty. I think they did three to four seasons. Like they did a significant they, amount. They of time. Quite a few. Quite a few. It, it, it is a reboot sequel because it is a, it a is a sequel. It's but a continuation. Really, but do they really use the term sequel in television? I think there, it would be more of a like you said, a continuation as in to be continued. It's like, <laughs> to be continued 20 years from now <laughs> you know um we're gonna pretend that <laughs> we're gonna pretend that Lori Lachlan did not um you know bribe mm-hmm. a bunch of college people and uh, well, yeah yeah yeah, yeah. she didn't know that happened cancel student debt Joe Biden you could do it now uh anyway go <laughs> <laughs> sneak that in here uh no oh, yeah. TV TV tends to do continuations. I mean, they do remakes. Doogie Howser's getting a remake. It just got remade uh, for Disney Plus. Oh, that's right. I saw that on uh, on Disney Plus recently. They had like the the remake Doogie Howser, the... which is the like the little uh, girl and everything. Mm-hmm. And I mean, look, let's be clear about one thing: the opportunities that that continuation, not continuation, but remakes do have, is to retell the story in a newer setting, which I think it's cooler because you can have more three-dimensional characters and you can have a lot more than just like the typical 30-minute, oh, ha, 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 you know, this is happening, and then it's over. So Mm. you can retell the story in ways that you probably couldn't retell it before. Mm -hmm. You know, I think we're... I think we're getting to where we're a more open-minded society and really have an understanding, um, you know, of just differences in general. So I think there's there's that opportunity. Of course, I haven't seen Doogie Howser, so I wouldn't know. Yeah. Um, I don't. Is it out yet? Yes. And Wonder Years, the remake of Wonder Years, just came out too. So this year. So we're in the golden age of television. So wait a second. Is Wonder Years gonna be like as like the same period of time? No, it's a black family in the sixties, I think. I believe the sixties. That's cool. That's that's actually that that's actually something that because Wonder Years Wonder Years told some pretty interesting stories mm-hmm. um for its time, especially set against the backdrop of the Vietnam War. But I mean that's that's a time a period of time, the sixties were a period of time that were so you know, there was so much chaos going mm-hmm. on. Um, that I think, see that that would be something really interesting to watch, as far as remakes go. I can't tell you that I would have the same interest for, for example, Magnum PI, which oddly enough is my background. Background. <laughs> but like, for example, I love Magnum PI, but when they redid it, they have a completely different cast taking over the roles, and it doesn't feel the same. It just mm-hmm. doesn't feel the same. Yeah, um, there's something to be said to it's. So, first of all, remakes uh, are not new. Hollywood's been doing them forever. 
silent movies got remade once we could put them in uh, <laughs> into talkies, and then those got remade once we could do color, and then those got remade again in like the seventh. Scarface 60s, 70s, is the greatest example. The Scarface that's iconic that we all watched in the eighties and nineties growing up and stuff like that is actually like the third version yeah. of mm-hmm. that film. There was there was a silent Scarface, and then there was a talkie Scarface, and mm-hmm. now you have. You know the Scarface that uh, that you know, and some some turn out to be like an even bigger hit than the originals, mm-hmm. and they turn out to get more than the originals. But um, but you know some are just pale, sad copies, like Psycho with Vince Vaughn. Like that was the exact oh. same freaking script, and it was terrible. Well- that's what I wanted to bring up, and that that's a great example of it, is uh, when you were saying it before, it doesn't have the right feeling. Like, that psycho, same way, is something to be said about things that are made in the era. Because usually art is reflective of its time, yeah. things that are happening and going on. As you're talking about the Wonder Years and the backdrop of the Vietnam War and what the story they were telling, it's integral to that time frame. So mm-hmm. I haven't watched the new Wonder's Year yet, but with a lot, it's hard if you take the exact same thing and then just do it again and go, well, now we're in modern times. So take that and just put it here. If you're not paying attention to what it was speaking about before, what made it special, just bringing it to modern times, just redoing it, I think is one of those recipes of why so many remakes or reboots honestly just fail because they don't do enough to differentiate themselves more than just update technology, you know, or update little sensibilities to say, no, this is actually speaking to something that's unique to their time. And our viewpoint in there, what we have now, we have different viewpoints. The way we look at policing uh, post-George Floyd versus policing versus 9-11 versus policing in the night, like we feel differently about all those things. And so our characters reflect that. But if you bring them now with none of that understanding of what we're speaking to, then you're losing something. And you're losing what I think makes the show, movie, any reboot special. And I think when you look at ones that fail, that's why they fail. Like, really, that's why. Yeah, when you're trying to retell the same story against a completely different backdrop and completely different year, it's like if you remade Pulp Fiction now. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Um it would be completely different and we're really only talking about 28 years ago mm-hmm. or um no not 28 27 years ago either way it's still a, a period of time that was different and you, when you let decades pass the either the expectation becomes too great for something to live up to what you now know therefore what you're recreating or bringing back does not hold up well Mm -hmm. and in some cases you know thematically speaking some things do hold up yeah when you talk about certain themes but not all of them Mm -hmm. so right away you know it's like okay you know this is why this was not that great it's like look at um look at never ending story now so you dumb. might you might have a love for it as as when you were a kid love but it. it's it's completely different if you're mm. looking at it now 
And I mean, I don't, I haven't seen the Neverending Story show, honestly. Um, I, I probably should watch it at some point because I, I love the Neverending Story, but it's a different story altogether. And I think also the visuals have a lot to do with it. You know, can you recreate the visuals from 20, mm -hmm. 30 years ago without making it look like you're over pushing, too? Nope. You know what I mean? Um, it's not the same to see chocolate sauce going down a hot tub drain now <laughs> as it was back in the day. Just yep. like if you, if you were to remake Scarface Al Pacino style with a person coming in from, from Cuba, you know, to Miami and, and becoming a drug lord, um, you know, could you recreate that uh, chainsaw scene where he sees his buddies get chainsawed in the shower and you think you see something but you don't? Is it going to have the same effect? So there's a lot really to think about in that regard and I feel like it it falls short on um, on remakes but you know then again there's also sequels that try to sort of continue you know to try to continue to tell the story but it's like all right we've got Terminator 3 17 years later it is not the same thing what are you talking about Terminator 3 did not happen neither did Terminator Salvation neither did Terminator uh whatever neither did Terminator Gen Genesis yeah no no and I'm assuming Terminator and 3. I'm assuming that for your own sake and mental sanity you're also going to say that uh, Kingdom of the Crystal Skull didn't happen, but it did happen, okay? That was no, real. No, I'm just making folks of the Terminators, because technically the last one that just came out is technically Terminator 3, because they they literally said all the other Terminators of Terminator 2 didn't happen. Oh, yeah, the non Yeah, so the last the one is the truth. It, it's like, Terminator yeah, you remember 3. how you spend money on all those movies? Didn't happen. <laughs> yeah, none of those movies happened. But you know, uh, you know who's got the last laugh? Me, because I didn't fucking watch any of them. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, that's what I was just referring to, that joke, these continuations, because Terminator's been trying to do it for a while. They keep making a third movie, and when it doesn't perform, they just keep making the third movie. Uh, at some point, you know what's <laughs> you funny? You four mentioned... movies to be the third movie. At yeah. some point, one of them is the third movie. Yeah, you mentioned uh, that, and that's funny to me because it just makes me feel like, and I don't know how much of this is true and how much of this is just my opinion. I'm, I'm, I'm guessing uh, my opinion is probably a lot of it here like a lot of personal feel but you know you watch all these films mm -hmm. you invest yourself because technically even if you're not like talking about it for 12 years or you're not doing a podcast on it or you're not writing about it or whatever you still invest it because you're you mm -hmm. know you're driving in your car you're going there and you're doing the the thing that you need to do right yep okay Here's the freaking problem that, that I see with this, okay? When you tell me that five out of the seven films that I watch weren't canon, you're then, as a fan, insulting my intelligence. Because you're telling me that I need to forget everything in order to actually enjoy this film, but the fact of the freaking matter is, is that I can't do that. Get, like, look at Halloween. So, mm. 1 and 2 is about Laurie Strode. 3, 4, 5, 6, and 7, plus the two Rob Zombie movies, right? Mm -hmm. Plus, mm -hmm. I think the one with um, Buster Rhymes, was that with a Rob Zombie movie? No, it wasn't. No, no, no. That was part no. of the original. So that's eight, that, that's, that's, six, that's eight films 
And then the H2O, which is like nine total films, right? So I'm, I'm supposed to freaking forget mm-hmm. those oh. nine films to then yep. accept the fact that Laurie Strode is not dead. She, mm-hmm. in fact, is very much alive and well, has a cabin, 27 machine guns, a half-crazy granddaughter, a daughter that doesn't like her. Like, I'm supposed to think that everything else that happened was not real, including Paul Rudd. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and you, we all know Paul Rudd is, is real, man. He's reality. Yeah, yeah right. 100%. So, you know, for, like, you're asking me then to forget, essentially... Nine out of eleven previous films, so that I can then accept what's going on now. Yeah, and it's like I can't, you know, that is kind of insulting to, and I and I understand why a lot of the people, you know, the so-called fanboys and girls, get mm-hmm. pissed off about that because it's like, no, that's crap. Because if I'm not buying this on DVD, I'm going to, you know, to the theater to see it, and what you're telling me is that. It was wasted time for me. Yeah, and I think you hit on the head why even studios, if you're ever wondering out there, like, why do studios rely on nostalgia and everything else? Because it is hard. People who are fans, uh, and I know people go, oh, just make it for everybody. But honestly, the people who are going to create your buzz, the people who are going to spread your fame, the people who are going to buy your merchandise and buy your DVDs are the fans. They're literally your fans. People who maybe see it but won't buy anything else aren't fans, they're just they're just whatever. Getting someone to buy your DVD, buy your merchandise, that makes them a fan. So fans, right, make uh-huh. these franchises, make these big movies, fans of your film, uh, fans of your writing. And then at some point you have to say to them, yeah, I know you've been fans, but just trust me now, it's gonna be all right. I know I'm saying all of this doesn't matter, but the next product I'm putting in front of you will be okay okay it'll, it'll be the retelling of the story and it'll simplify and everything it. and you'll love it and why fans will feel betrayed you always commonly hear a word i felt betrayed by this film or something else it's because all that investment time money and fandom that they put in was kind of just given back to them and big middle finger to them and i think that's sometimes when you do see fans really hate something is because of that the, and films are including nostalgia trying to pay back to fans because they're understanding these will be the same people who will buy your merchandise, your DVD, your books, your comics. Well, here's here's, here's the problem. Well. Is that when you try to do something that is so basic that everybody can see right through it, it is insulting. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm going to go way back. I'm going to get in the way back machine here. And, if you, and for those of you listening that aren't aware of what I'm saying, get on your Google machine and check it out. Um, I remember the show Dallas. Mm -hmm. So Dallas in 1985, I believe, killed off the character of Bobby Ewing, who was like the good guy. Well, a year later, at the end of season eight, they brought him back by essentially saying that everything that you saw was a a dream that Pam Bobby's wife p- played by Victoria Principal Bobby was played by um by Patrick Duffy um you know that that had been a dream it was called a dream season years later 
what the outrage and and really because that helped sort of kill the show's ratings off a little bit more and that was a hugely rated show it was set in south park wouldn't that be lazy and sort of like a gigantic middle finger to all the fans Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, it is lazy because exen- essentially what you're trying to do is you're trying to bring back a character from the dead, and I get why, or rather how, that would really be your only option. But you have spent an entire season getting fans, as you well stated, invested mm. into a new character that's come in, into all of these things, and suddenly it's not not what you thought. Mm-hmm. It's like, wait a second. Why is this character dead? Why is why is this why is this not even really the like what happened? Mhm. What the hell happened? Yeah. Oh, it was and, all and, a dream. It just, you know, people dream for a year. Yeah. yeah. I mean, if they're in a coma, yeah. And, and like I say, uh and responding to your fans is not a bad thing. I also like to bring up that Shakespeare, who the Western world considers one of the greatest writers of all time, responded to his fans all the time in his theater. Uh, he would actively write acts, see how well they did, and they didn't perform well, or a character was underperforming, overperforming. He made literal adjustments based on his fans. Mm-hmm. So don't feel that like, oh, I owe fans nothing. But yeah, you know, when you're writing and doing these things, your fans, you kind of owe. These are the people, again, who will prop you up? They're the people again who 100%. will do that. 100%. I'm not saying now you can cater to fans too much and make terrible movies because you still have to have artistry. Do not get me wrong. Uh, I think the biggest, uh, 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 we all know the biggest movie of that is the last Star Wars film that everybody feels just catered too much to fans and not a monster about a story and was. Generally I think, just I think part of that, though, I think part of that, the reason why that happened, or one of the reasons why that happened, is people were absolutely pissed. The people that are really invested in, in Star Wars, because look, I will forever watch a Star Wars film or a show because I am a fan of lightsaber battles and cool Jedi shit. Mm-hmm. Very simple. That's it. Um, but, you know, there was an entire universe that was created from 1983 on... We a lot a lot of novels that were very well written that were very good, a lot of characters that were created like Kyle Katarn for example, like these after life situations were created with uh, Luke Skywalker where he's married, um, they have kids, you know Han Solo and Leia have kids, eventually Chewbacca dies heroically. I mean, like, there were a bunch of things that the fans were really invested in, and all of a sudden, that's not canon anymore, forget about it, that doesn't apply to anything. And it's like, are you telling me I've been reading freaking fandom? Like, how are you going to make it up to me? Mm. Oh, don't worry, I'll give you exactly what you wanted, which is a movie talking about how every character would eventually move on, except for... The characters that were created that took a long time to create, that took a long time to craft out in writing, aren't a part of that. Instead, you are basically giving me the most depressing finish for every single character. Because they're sacrificing, and they're dying, and they're doing this, and they're doing that. And you're not actually giving me enough of a telling of the new story that you want me to follow. So, mm. yeah, great. Good job. Thank you. That yeah, doesn't I- really... I mean, it doesn't work for me, but I'm not, like... I just look at it from a different perspective anyway, because I'm, like, a super, super fan, you know? 
Yeah, I'm going to do from an outlier perspective, a person who's like, eh, about Star Wars. If I want to see something and it's good, I'll see it. If not, I don't care. Right? So I'm going to say this. I used to be a bigger fan, but I'm going to be honest, new generation, I just don't care anymore. I'm not against it. I'll see it, but I have no strong feelings. See one other way or the other. Mm -hmm. And I think of just talking about that. Episode seven was a reboot, right? It's a reboot remake. That's what they try to do with episode seven. They did all the same story beats uh, and trying to reboot it for the new generation. Episode eight was the divisive film, whether you like it or hate it. Eight is probably the most divisive film of that, of that whole trilogy. Uh, some people really like it. Actually, I don't think anybody's okay about it. You either like it or you hate it. Episode eight, you either like it or you hate it. I don't really feel like people have a middle ground on it. Uh, <laughs> and that response, because everybody loved the reboot remake, but people did want something new from Star Wars to justify jettisoning all of that, you know, all of that expanded universe. Because when Disney say that, episode seven wasn't enough to justify getting rid of the expanded universe. So in episode eight, they tried a new direction to say that, don't worry, we jettisoned it all for a good reason. You're going to like what we do and the direction we're going to take Star Wars. And obviously that was so divisive. I would, have admired, I, would have been, I would have admired it more if they would have said, we're going to take aspects of this stuff and we're going to bring it in because it's there. Look, it worked in writing. You had tons of best-selling books. Don't tell me that the source material wasn't there to pick from. At the very least, the one thing that I will say about Marvel and even DC is they'll reshape source material, but they won't tell fans, forget about it, this is not canon, it's crap, it's bull crap, we're not, we're not doing this. Yeah, they'll rework I, I... it, they'll use aspects of it, and I'm like, if the material is there, why can't you sit down and say, okay... Let's have the new Jedi Temple. Let's have Luke's kits. Let's have the Solo kits. Let's figure out how we can make this work without making it about the previous characters and not kill oh. the fucking characters in such a sad, depressive way. But, you oh, know... I, I, listen, I agree with you 100%. The Star Wars trilogy, I say the biggest problem with Star Wars trilogy is that I did it, the newer one, if they didn't set it 300 years in advance. I was like, you should have just, just wiped your hands clean of anything in the past all that expanded universe and just started like 500 years in the future. Say whatever story you want to fucking do. No one cares because it's all after everybody's shit, right? <laughs> and you could be like, oh yeah, I remember hearing vague stories about some heroes like saving the Republic, like and just not there to was, it. There not was there was a hero actually in one of the Star Wars books that um, there was a comic book I think that was like a descendant of Luke, and this is. Like years into the future, and I'm like, why couldn't you tell that story? That's yeah, that's, that's what my so, thoughts are. Yeah, why do you Marvel and to... DC are very good at picking stories because they'll rework stories, but they'll pick stories you're familiar with. Fans are right because fans will go, You have to see Civil War, you have to see Ultron, and the comics they do this and that. Everybody loves the people who know, like, not love the people who know that. I know they're nerds, but your fans are the one going to trumpet it and put it up. So, exactly. Marvel and DC do that good. Star Wars problem was that divisive movie. They were trying to, again, satisfy and justify those who were like, okay, we jettisoned all this old material. We'll do something new. You'll love it. People hated it or loved it. And so then by that ninth movie, they went, all right, listen, sorry. We'll just do everything that you want. 
but it's nothing that anybody wanted, right? That's what that movie's like kind of hated. No one really liked it. They're like, this is the exact wrong way. They're like, oh, you like that they brought ships from the edge of the galaxy in Spanish universe. And you like that they you know, you know rebuild themselves. You know who did it well? You know who knew exactly how to do it and doesn't get nearly enough credit, perhaps because the story is not everybody's cup of tea unless you're into sports and stuff? Sylvester Stallone with Creed, and I'm going to tell you why. Mm. Creed, like Stallone said, I need to bring back Rocky and give him a sort of redemption because everybody hated how Rocky V basically left him broke, punchy, and what have you. Like, the character went from having a fairy tale, which happens to a lot of boxers, to a terrible sort of ending. Not an mm -hmm. ending, but, you know. So they do Creed. And in Creed, Rocky finds the redemption by helping build this new character that they're then going to yes. be building the franchise around. So it's yes. not really about Rocky. It's about this new character that's helping Rocky find his redemption. And everybody said, look, Rocky's good. Everything's fine. And in Creed 2, finally, Rocky has the moment with his son where he finally goes to see him. Spoiler alert. And it's all about then Creed moving forward. But you have the nice wrap-up of every character, Apollo, Apollo's mm. wife, Rocky, Adrian, Polly, all of them. You have uh, all of that mm -hmm. there. There's a realistic and sort of sad touch because that is what those films are about. It's a slice of human life. Obviously, it's not about a galaxy far, far away. And then at the end, you have that but you have the new character that you can invest yourself in you're like okay cool now i just want to see what adonis creed is gonna do yep like i'm fine with rocky but let me see what adonis does what you know what's the what's what's the arc for adonis the beginning and, and, the middle and the end because you have I a agree ton there yeah i agree 100 percent creed is a great example of a i think a reboot that really works it pays homage to the old characters with the characters in there but sets up new characters, new phase, and new storylines that you can really invest yourself with to and go. While, and Creed's story is not story. Rocky's. No. I'm sorry? I said it while quickly wrapping up the past. Yes. Like, yes. Because it's not about Rocky. Creed is not about Rocky. It's no. about Creed. It's about Creed. And I like that. And a lot of these reboots and remakes make it, i.e. Star Wars or something, too much about the old characters. When you're like, this is supposed to be about new people. I don't really need the old. Let's get with the new. Uh, and I think that is what can make a reboot uh, interesting. You know, as a time, we have Matrix Revelations about to come out, which is a reboot remake. We have Ghostbusters Afterlife, which is kind of the same thing. Uh, a reboot yeah. continuation sequel, we're, we're going to kind of see. Say, yeah, I would say it's a continuation sequel reboot. Yeah, all three of those yeah, things. Yeah, supposed to be all that. Where tones seem a little different. They're updating stuff. Time is moving. And we'll see whether these work or not. I'm always hesitant when they make it too much about past characters. I.e., something such vast as The Matrix. I really don't need, know why we need Keanu Reeves again. Uh, I feel like you can just... I, I really don't need to... I, I, I want to understand why we need The Matrix again, honestly. To me... But I, was, I, agree I, just, I wasn't a fan, really, of the first ones either. It's not that they weren't great in terms of visual effects or whatever, but it's just... But the sequels were terrible. Yeah. I'm sorry, the sequels were terrible. Yeah, the sequel follow-ups were terrible. Yeah. I, I, and I'm not the only one who says that. It's 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 generally the, the I, no, Matrix I, sequels were I terrible. I think, look, 
And what I'm going to say might offend a lot of people, but you know, if the truth hurts you, then I'm sorry. Um, I think that the Matrix, what really, what, what the Matrix did is it gave a lot of people this, it, it, they forgot that it was a film and they turned it into like a pseudo intellectual, like, this is what I live and I believe that we live in the Matrix. Mm. Look, if you're drinking a pill that's got fluid inside, liquid inside, like a gel cap, usually it's green. That means you're drinking NyQuil. Uh, and that is really for a cold. There's nothing that's going to happen unless you have a real problem with NyQuil. You know, then there's like the fish oil, and that's kind of like yellow. So the options. I think there. the first Matrix works very well with the red and blue pill when it is that trans allegory, the red pill being estrogen, becoming one of yourself, waking up in your own reality. That's I different. think the, yeah. the trans allegory, I think, works really well in the first Matrix, which is why Matrix 2 and 3 suck. I don't think they have a lot to... What they're trying to say gets muddled. They don't really but say I think, it well. I think you understood the Matrix. This is my, my point, is you understood mm -hmm. the Matrix and you understood what that meant. There's a lot of people that assume that we live in a Matrix and are full of crap. And I'm not like, you know exactly what I'm talking about. Yeah, 100%. I, I, I just, to me, it's like, don't invest yourself that much in a fucking film that really it becomes your philosophy for life. There is a massive difference between reality and what you see on a screen. And it's that's really what I get at um, with that, you know. Yep. Like it, it becomes, you know, and for the same token, you might have a Star Wars, you know, super fan say, "Well, life is a lot like Star Wars, and that you know, you must harness the Force. Get a job, motherfucker. That's the kind <laughs> of fucking force you must harness. Get your ass a job, and fucking pay some bills." Hey, you hey, hey we have Australian listeners. Where the force is a real religion down there, so you cannot shame people's religion, Rick. You cannot go out there and shame people's religion. Well, I will totally shame their ass. I'll be like, okay, show me the fucking lightsaber. Show me the goddamn lightsaber. Well, one, F you. If you could own a lightsaber, you would, and so would I. <laughs> exactly, because if it were real and I would figure out a way how to harness laser into a blade, absolutely, but guess what? It's not real. It's a piece of glass. It costs $179. Very cool toy, though. I must admit. And it makes that noise. And that is great. And I love it. And to all, you know, to all our, our Star Wars fans, I love that stuff, too. I love the toys. But people, it is not reality. Take it easy. Just And to all our out. Star Wars fans out there, there's only like four good movies. The rest of it sucks. Get at me, bro. Um... <laughs> Yeah, there's only about four good movies, and I'm counting the original three and Revenge of the Sith. All the reboot Revenge, new Revenge ones of suck. Was good. All of them suck. Anybody can get at me. Every single one of them are freaking terrible. I, I don't really think anybody can really I, defend. I mean, look, here's the worst thing. It's like Kylo Ren kills his freaking father. Mm -hmm. Kills his father. I mean, just straight up stabs him. The most evil thing I think we've the seen. The most evil films. thing I've seen in any film. And right? also, well, except for Anakin, we saw him kill the kids at the end in Revenge of the Sith. But no, you don't see him. You know he did it, but you don't see it. Like, this is like cold-blooded shit where it's like, hey, Dad, I love you. I'm going to hug you. Wait a second. No, I'm not. I'm going to just straight-up Sith blade you. Mm -hmm. All right. And even Anakin's turn to evil was for love. 
Whereas Kylo was for power. Just Kylo was so obsessed with being like the evil version of Anakin that he basically was, you know, ready to, to just do anything, including kill his own father. He kills his father. And then in the third one, he decides a noble act of, of uh, self-sacrifice. And I'm like... I'm sorry, I can't see that as an act of nobility. I would say that it's the right thing for you to do because you are you were a total prick. But I'm not going to think of you as someone who, oh gosh, should have been left alive or deserves anything other than what the fuck you got. Well, to be fair, it's because we don't really get to see, as Darth Vader and Luke stakes are personal, father and son, it's a father and son relationship, yeah. But we don't see what makes Kylo fall, but when we do, which is the eighth move, the eighth, the second move, Ryan Johnson. So, so, when yeah. we do, it doesn't feel strong enough to get that evil of a. Oh, turn. you mean because it got like all of a three-minute or a two-minute fucking flashback scene that mm. really had been built up since the very beginning when you see Luke's metal hand on R two D two while the freaking mm. you know uh, Skywalker Jedi Temple. Um, and Shoe Emporium burns. Yeah. That's that's yeah, because you're not fucking building that shit up. I would have rather seen that from the beginning to know and understand what I'm looking at. Because the whole time, every time I see Kylo, I see him wearing a weird, stupid mask. Mm -hmm. Motherfucker, you don't need a breathing in. You haven't been burned to a crisp in a goddamn fire. Uh, what was your problem? And honestly, this is again where I feel, and I'm going to say it again, if they just took a giant leap forward by like three to 400 years, you got a man who worships the ex-star of Vader because he has no personal relationship, no. may not know the real whole story, right? Who believes that the Jedi are wrong and he's going to want to be like Darth Vader in order to prove his Jedi master wrong, who happens to be the great, great, great descendant of someone who taught Luke, right? right. And it's just like that, like that, because things are cyclical. It's fine, because at that point, you're not focused on old characters. You're only focused on Kylo Ren let and his journey. This, let me ask you a very simple Rather question. than what's happening. And, I, and that's why I think those Star Wars movies fail, let, let honestly, because let they're not interested you, in Let me character. ask you a very important question. And, I, and, and the answer to this might be yes, but I'll explain in a second. Um, did you ever, while growing up, say, gee golly, I want to be just like Grandpa? Ever? I mean, my, my granddad was cool. He was a judge and some other things. I mean, like, I, I looked up to my granddad. You respected but, like, him. That's fine. You respected him. You loved him. He's your grandfather. I'm asking you, was it ever your life's ambition to put on a judge's robe and walk around with a motherfucking gavel and call yourself Judge Jonathan and judge everybody every time you fucking stepped in front of a person? That's my question because this is what that was. Well, yeah, except that they're missing the big part. What pisses me off is that, like, you know what happens to Darth Vader because your actual mentor is Luke Skywalker. He can literally tell you that Darth Vader is on the side of light. I can literally see him, and I can teach you how to talk to him, right? Yeah. Somehow Anakin wants to be the dude who literally got his ass kicked by his teacher, who also went to the good guy side, who also, like, we could just, you know, I could literally show him and talk to him. Like, it's, it's right there. It's not like that disappeared yeah. and didn't happen. I have no clue what that whole movie was doing. Just set it in the future. Let all the EU and stuff happen. 
all our new writers out there, stop trying to get rid of stuff that people like. Just, just set things forward. If you're ever in charge of doing a reboot, remake, just set it forward. Let all the old characters step but away. I think, I think the problem, too, is, and we go back to this, there's a difference between a writer that's writing something that understands where the beats need to be, what the actual story um, arc needs to be, where the plot needs to start, where it needs to stop, all of that. You a lot of times have writers that are withholding to what the executive producer is saying, and that's a problem because you have yeah. people that will say, that will know nothing from a creative pers- per- creative end and say, all right, you know what I want to see? I want to see a gigantic spider. I want to see Superman fight a gigantic spider. Watch a conversation with Kevin Smith. You'll know exactly what I'm talking about if you haven't done so already. Yes, and but he went on to do Wild Wild West, which I did love the wild spider, the big spider in Wild Wild West. I just want that noted. I am unironically a fan of Wild Wild West, which itself is a wild, remake. Wild West Which itself great. is a remake. Wild Wild West was great. No, listen, and I loved the show, and I loved and I loved the TV movie, like the movie. I loved all that shit. I did. But what I am saying is, you know, what might be a project for you to flex your creativity as a writer and for all the people that are on it is also someone's possible vanity where they're in a position of power but don't have the same writer's eye. They don't have... Because a writer sits with the director to talk about how to write a fucking shooting script. They don't sit with an executive producer. Now, if you have an executive producer, and I'm not saying that all of them are like this, but that tells you that they want the gigantic spider when it doesn't fucking make sense, things in a script have to make sense. It should not be about, let me see how I can spin this script with all the nonsense that I've been told and all of the freaking elements that I've been told that I have to include that make no sense. Because I can just imagine some guy with a gigantic cigar saying, All right, kid. Now you gotta include Luke Skywalker. Boy, the kids love him. No, and, and, and you make a fair point. You know. And, yeah, and you make a fair point. And to be fair, when writers usually even, you know, you yourself know this, even write a script, by the time it goes through studios and everything else, maybe 20 to 30% of your script is still left. Um, <laughs> usually it's about 15%. But the problem is... Look, I'm going to give you a quick story about, like, I was brought in to, by this guy who had written the script. It was a terrible script. And if he's listening to this podcast, you're a shitty writer and a shitty human being. And I, and I want you to know that. And if you have any fucking problems with what I just said, you know my number, motherfucker. But anyway, um, <laughs> not that I have any problems. But... I, like, the guy gives me a 79-page script. It is terrible. It literally, he's talking to me about how now the movie viewer sees, like, this is what he was writing as actions. Mm-hmm. And I rewrote it because I was like, okay, you have repetition that makes no sense. There's zero character development. I have zero investment with any of these characters. Like, and then he, and then he wanted to give me notes on the rewrite that I did, which was, like, 20 times better than what he did when he wasn't even a writer. I mean, I'm pretty sure he could probably misspell his name often. I And I'm, and I'm like, that's the problem. Writers are withholding. Like, you are then... You have to basically serve two masters, which is the film and the audience and how you're going to make this work. 
and then EPs that a lot of times don't know elbow from ass. Yep. They know business, they don't know elbow from ass. That's 100% true. I guess that's a good part to, to start wrapping up this conversation, except I want to get your favorite remake, your favorite reboot, or your favorite remake reboot continuation, whatever that is. Oh, <laughs> then I'll go. Oh, let's, let's put some of our faves out there to have people uh, 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 just let's have some things that they're interested in. And you can even say some that you feel have done really bad uh, or some that you feel are good because, you know, there's there's tons of them out there. Mm. I, I'm going to give one out there. My favorite remake, I think this is considered a remake. I'm going to say it's a remake. Um, it's a remake reboot, but it's a remake. Dread. I think Dread took the Sylvester Stallone Judge Dread Disaster. and made that infinitely better and showed exactly what that movie should have been uh, but <laughs> it, showed, it made it a small scale intimate story it got you to this nebulous character of dread who in the comics you don't really get to know um and and uh, unless i get to know it takes a lot of comics for you to know the story of dread which the movie dread does all in judge dread the slow movie tries to put like all of this lore and remix it put it down in one and i think the movie dread takes all that away, says an intimate story, gets you to know Dread a little better, get to know the world a little better with characters that come in. And I'm sad it didn't do so well in the box office, but you could see where future installments were gonna go and how a whole franchise could have spawned. And I think it's such a good remake uh, uh, of, of a comic book property or move in film that it doesn't get enough credit for. I mentioned uh, our creature card did Castlevania before we did that movie, but he definitely doesn't get enough credit for how good Dread is. He just definitely doesn't. Dread is mm. such a good remake. Heads and like heads and stars. I say stars, heads and stars. It's literally to the moon how better this remake is than the original Dread, Judge Dread, which I watched tons of times. Rob Snyder, Sylvester uh, <laughs> Stallone, I'm in. That's, t that's my type of bad movie. I watch those all the time. <laughs> that is a, that is pop, that is what you call popcorn sexy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I, I can tell you, I watch tons and tons of crappy movies, so I love them all. So being a crappy movie just means I love it even more. So with that said, Dread is not a crappy movie. It is fantastic, and I think it's one of the more fantastic remakes that people just don't give enough credit to. No, I, I absolutely um, agree with you. Um, so. I don't know if this is necessarily considered a remake. It, it would definitely be considered a reboot. But I would have to say Captain America with Chris Evans, the uh, first Avenger, because technically there was the Captain America in 1990 with Matt Salinger. And the reason why I say this is because f at that point in time, finally they figured out how to make a good superhero movie with a cohesive story that followed source material properly. Um, Captain America 1990 is a terrible film. Um, it is like if you throw trash on a tire fire and then throw some more tires on top of set trash and then you light it up some more and you just watch the fires go up to the heavens. That's how bad it was. Mm. It is a great popcorn shitty film. Um, it's popcorn sexy for sure. Um, but I think that seeing favorite superheroes sort of come back around and not look cheap and uh and cartoony and what have you that was kind of nice to see my least favorite 
is a remake. I don't know if this was a remake necessarily so much as the licensing thing, but I'm gonna bring it up anyway. Is Turkish uh, Turkish Superman? Now I, I would call it that as a that's just a that's like yeah, a but I want to talk about just our spin on something. Just technically, it's our a spin. reboot. It's a Turkish reboot, and all I want to <laughs> say is back then. Superman did not need to be Turkish rebooted in 79 while still being the most popular film in the world in 79. Uh, I'm going to discount you there. But I'm going to give you a real reboot that I think is really good. Uh, Mad Max Fury Road. A reboot continuation. Because Mad Max Fury Road with Charlize Theron. um, Why I'm forgetting the name. He's in Tom Hiddleston, who's in everything. No, not Tom Hiddleston. Um, Tom Hiddleston is Spider-Man. Uh, uh, Tom Holland. Tom, no, yeah, Tom Hart. Tom Hiddleston is Loki. Tom Holland, man, there's Tom so Holland, many. Tom Holland is Spider Man now, yeah. Tom Holland is Spider Man. Tom Hiddleston is Loki. Uh-huh. Uh, and Tom Hardy. <laughs> there's a lot of Toms. Is it like the Christmas now? Yes, like I didn't even Tom, notice that. Man. Is this like the Christmas now? Uh, so, Mad Max Fury Road. Tom is a new character. It's such an excellent reboot and continuation, taking those same characters, putting them in new situations. Because technically all the other Mad Maxes happen in that point. Uh, but we just have a different Max uh, and we just have different stories. And it's just kind yeah. of between the franchise. Uh, which I'm still surprised we haven't seen another one. Because that movie did well, critically acclaimed well. Uh, even won Oscar for like score or visual effects or something. Uh, mm. I'm surprised we haven't seen another one, honestly. I'm surprised the studios haven't jumped on it. Reboots, I think, of my favorite. And I'm not a huge Star Trek fan, but the newer Star Treks. With, the uh, first with one. Chris Pine, yeah. especially the, the first, first one, um, I thought it was a great like it was a great telling of the story prior to what we know to be Star Trek. So it did a great job of acting as a prequel in a way, but making that like speeding the pace up, making it something that you know casual fans like myself because i would be a casual when it comes to star trek there are some things that i love and there are some things that i haven't even watched to be honest not because i don't like them or whatever it's just that i haven't watched them um but for like a casual like myself like i enjoyed the pacing of the film i enjoyed the story of the film it was it was it was good it was oh yeah and thank you for bringing up that the first one is a great example of a reboot and the second one is the perfect Example of a bad reboot, a remake. The uh, sequel, a remake. actually, yeah. Yeah, the sequel is a horrible remake of The Wrath of Khan. So it's really good. The first one's such a good reboot. It's like shining example of how to reboot a franchise. And the second one is a, is just a shining example of how not to do a remake. Um, <laughs> well, the problem, is, the problem is when you're remaking something, if it works, you have to be mi- mindful when you're doing a sequel to it because you know the aspects that work so the color work the speech work mm-hmm. the speed works the way the characters are worked that you everything you've got all these factors that work problem is is can you move that forward and use a similar story to actually make it work it's it's hard because mm-hmm. then now you're reintroducing characters as a as a younger version of themselves and it's like okay but you got to give them stories that are a perfect you know a perfect backdrop they have to serve as a backdrop because these are prequels 
So mm-hmm. technically, they're prequels to what we know. And if they're prequels to what we know, then you gotta like tell the story a little bit better. And that's where you have to be mindful. And I think a lot of people are oftentimes fall into a trap or come I man we did so well the first time we're gonna follow the exact same mm-hmm. you know the exact same uh formula here well no because now people are expecting it it's not the same formula it's how to rework it to make it work yep 100 yep. percent. so all right that's some of our goods and faves um uh out there ones we hated uh uh any recommendations for stuff to watch this week for everyone out there as we're wrapping up what have I? Oh yes, um, watch Jaguar. It was it's a six part uh, series, well six episode series on Netflix. Uh, it was made in Spain. Um, it's a very sexy show, you know, beautifully shot. Interesting story about Nazi hunters in Spain. Um, it uses a lot of realistic backgrounds, you know. Um, and semi-realistic characters for this. So if you're a fan of that and, and sort of like, you know, post-World War II stuff, this takes place in 1960, so check it out. Oh, good. I'm going to suggest, um, huh, let's see. I'm going to suggest a reboot or something or a remake because I've been watching. Actually, go and watch The Wonder Years. Uh, if you can, if you're in the U.S. market, go and watch The Wonder Years reboot or remake. The first episode just came out, so I'll suggest that. Um, I, I want to see how it is myself. So. Hey, hey, John, I have a question to ask you. Yeah. What would you do <laughs> if I sang out a tune? I, I haven't even heard the wait, theme song. I gotta wait, see wait, if there's wait, a new wait. theme song. Would you stand I do, up I see that. That is and like, walk uh, out on me? Come on, John, sing it, sing it, sing it, sing it. I get high with a little help <laughs> from my friends. As Rick is singing me off here, uh, we'll see you next week as we start our <laughs> month of horror. As we get Whoa. into what is a spooky month here in the States, talking about the Halloween season. Uh, so join us next time. We're going to talk about all things spooky. <laughs> <Vincent Christ. laughs> Bye, Bob is in a magic. Bye-bye, everybody. <laughs>